Have you seen me dice bag? The Grognard Files. Hello, my name is Dirt the Dice, and this is the Grognard Files podcast, where we talk bobbins about tabletop RPGs from back in the day and today. I'm coming live from my den here in the heart of the northwest of England. I'm completely and utterly surrounded by my stuff. It's getting really bad. I can hardly move. Something has to go. More on that later. Here on my right is the great library of RPGs and my grognard files. I'm picking one off the shelves. Yes, number 56. A small, slight dossier, full of post-it notes capturing the clever ideas contained within. Here on my left is the ridiculous homemade shrine to the actor Caroline Monroe. I'll, uh, I'll just give it a tap. Ah yes, the eternal champion has appeared as Mandy Gregory in I Don't Want to Be Born, an obscure 1975 British horror film. It can only mean one thing. We are reaching into the esoteric corners of the Great Library for a game that we played a lot in a short period of time back in the 1980s, but it's rarely spoken of today. Swordbearer was originally printed as a digest-sized box by Heritage USA back in 1982. It was reprinted in 1985 by Fantasy Games Unlimited, and there's a 2009 version, still available online via drive through RPG and others. Inside that digest-sized box was a golden card, inviting players to join the Society of the Sword. This exclusive group of sword-bearer gamesmasters is sponsored by Heritage USA to promote excellence and to recognise the best fantasy role-playing games masters in the nation. Society members belong to either the bronze, silver or gold highest level, and received an appropriate identification pin, available only to society members directly from Heritage. It goes on. To ensure that the society represents the best games masters in the nation, you must collect signed nomination statements from local players, as well as pay a small annual membership fee. Send no money or nominations now. Instead, simply send a stamped, self-addressed envelope to the address below and request the Society's membership application package. The game designer, B. Dennis Sustar, was better known for his contribution to Bunnies and Burrows, the fantasy game inspired by Watership Down from 1976. Swordbearer was his collaboration with Arnold Hendrick, a medieval fantasy game which features some great innovations. I'm joined in the room of role-playing rambling by our resident rules lawyer, Judge Blythe, as we do a speed rating of the game. We open the box on our memories of playing the game back in the day and how it is fed into us as gamers today. We look at the rules and have our monster off, all in the space of a single segment. 
and the wig is off. Indeed, this is the Grognard Files naked. There are no interviews, no contributions from the Grog Squad, no actual play, just us talking bobbins in a store cupboard. And when I say naked, well, we're fully clothed, so don't worry about that. Swordbearer was a game we enjoyed and we had a lot of affection for when we played it. However, it wasn't one of those long-term games that established itself in our repertoire. Me and Blythe had been given some thoughts on why some games connect and some don't. They're on your shelf, you reach for them, you read it a bit and then put it back. It's not them, it's you. So to that end, the second segment is from behind the Games Master screen. We review our gaming shelves and discuss which three from our collection we should play, stay or give away. It's a new format that falls apart at the end, but don't worry about that now. And when I do get to the end, I'll be back with some more updates and additional bits for you. Until then, ramblers, let's get rambling. Speed rating! Welcome to the room of role-playing rambling. I've got Blythe with me. Hello, Blythe. Hello, Dirk. Uh, this episode, we're not wearing a wig. We're not wearing a wig. <laughs> it's non-wig. You can tell, can't you? It's, just, it's a pin drop. A kind of pin drop. You've got the slight blowing of an air conditioning Office system. Office air conditioning. Yeah, that's true. And we're in the cupboard. With, with, to our left, there is a, a bag of tinsel pile of strange, strange municipal office <laughs> that if if it was a role-playing scene you'd never imagine putting all these things in one room <laughs> yeah. if you if you if the players came into this office and there was some tinsel some hard hats a photocopier a um, uh, scale wayne scales some wayne scales some wayne scales a laminator a laminator P- players would go that that's ridiculous <laughs> but in real life that is where we are yeah mm. And uh, by the side of the recording, we've got uh, a Real Fruits Robinsons, which has been there, I think, since 1978. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like our office. There's a bottle of wine that's moved around the town hall with us. <laughs> it's moved around, so it's never been opened. No one dare open it. And oh, can wine go off? I don't, I don't think it can, but no one, everyone just thinks, just, just move it. It's some yeah. cheap. Spanish, some Lambrino. It's a cheap red Spanish plonk that, that's been to about three offices over 15 years. Well, we're here to talk about Swordbearer. And I think Swordbearer is probably the most obscure of the <laughs> vintage games that we've uh, mm. looked at over these uh, podcasts. But we were quite enthusiastic about it back in the day. Yeah, I, I bought it from Boydell's Toys in Bolton. It's very odd because how did it end up there? Yeah, it's ob- it was obscure at the time, and yeah, it ended up there. Yeah, it must have been relatively cheap, and I, I bought it as part of my eternal quest to uh, find a fantasy game everyone enjoyed, even though people really enjoyed RuneQuest, but to find another fantasy game that people enjoyed. Yes, and not break the Prime Directive, which, which, which would have meant buying RuneQuest. Yeah, <laughs> which meant that you couldn't own a game that somebody else owned and was Games Master. That's right. So. The Games Master owned the game, and that was it. You couldn't own it. It's from the USA, um, Heritage USA. Uh, shortly after its uh, publication, the company went bust, so it went into mm. receivership, went bankrupt. I think it was eventually bought 
uh, this by uh, Fancy Games Unlimited and was re-released later. And you can actually get it on Drive Through RPG, yeah. the PDA, and it's the same text. It's just formatted in that Fancy Games Unlimited way. Yeah. But I think the reason why you could get it in the UK is that Heritage originated in the UK. Right. It was part of minifigs, so they were mainly mm. uh, miniatures. I wonder if I'm going bust is why it ended up in Bydell's. Some yeah. stock sale or something. Yeah. Getting rid of Some it fire yeah. sale. Yeah, yeah, could have been, couldn't it? Yeah, because it's a quite a small digest-sized box and it makes a virtue of the fact that it's cheap. It says in it, doesn't it, that we haven't gone for card covers to keep the cost yeah. down. There's 175,000 words over these three booklets. <laughs> like that matters. <laughs> yeah. Like that makes you think, oh, wow. Ooh, hang on, let me just work out how much I'm... <laughs> wow. It's, it's so cheap. When you look at the number of words relative to the cost, it's a bargain. It is Why? a bargain. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're like, fl- well, they're like paper booklets, aren't they? Three three paper booklets. There's, there's six books, isn't there? Two yeah. books in each book. Yeah. And they're like paper, flim- quite flimsy paper. And the way that it's bound together, it looks like one of the books is missing because it it's like halfway through, it's another yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. And... I was so enthusiastic about this game. When we got back into it, when we came out of Deep Freeze, it was one of the first that I bought on eBay. I saw a <laughs> copy on eBay. I went looking for it right on eBay. And it recommends, doesn't it, that the fact that it's so flimsy that you back it with some sticky back plastic yeah. to give it a bit more durability. Yeah. And dutifully, the version I've got has been backed. Bit, that's what they've done. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but it is a, a good game. It's a, it's a, uh, fantasy, it, the implied setting, because um, there isn't a, a setting, the implied setting is quite medieval, isn't it? In it's quite so medieval, we might come on to why that, that's quite strongly implied. There are certain, there's one rule in particular that I think um, yeah. implies quite strongly that that is the setting, that it's a medieval, European medieval setting is the setting, basically, isn't it? Um, but it's, um, it is it is a good it is good. It, it does suffer a bit from the, some of the quirks of early 80s games, some rules that are a bit convoluted. But generally, the basic principles of it are quite good. And what I think rereading it comes across to me is it's very much like RuneQuest. Yeah. So it, it your statistics are basically 2D10. But by and large, it's a percentage-based system, isn't it? So your weapon skills are percentages. You can parry, a bit like RuneQuest. It's a skill-based system. Skill-based. Uh, it's got hit locations as well, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's so it, it does have a... And also it doesn't have classes, does it? It talks about spheres. So you can pick, I think when you create a character, you can pick a couple of spheres. And those spheres give you a kind of, a bit of a boost on skills and that yeah. kind of thing. They're like careers, but they're also... Yeah. Um, conducive to the social setting that you come from as well, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you can pick one or two of them, can't you? So you can yeah, you can pick, pick one. If you pick one, you get some benefits, don't you? But or you can pick two. Um, but also, I think magic doesn't doesn't necessarily restrict you by class to using magic, no. does it? Obviously, certain careers, certain spheres would make. I suppose it's that thing of if you don't pick certain spheres. It's not worth bothering with magic because you're just going to be rubbish at it. It does yeah. that trick, doesn't it? I suppose, yeah. but it doesn't have uh, classes. And I think, I think thinking back now, when I bought it, the reason I was very enthusiastic about it because it it felt like RuneQuest. Yeah, I think part of the 
issue when we were very young playing role playing games. Me, you, and Simon were the only people who played, yeah. as has been documented many yeah. times. Uh, Simon was a big fan of RuneQuest. We were all big fans of RuneQuest, and every fantasy game you got didn't feel quite as good as RuneQuest. Didn't do mm. things we wanted it to do, so it didn't have eight locations. Had armor class rather than armor soak. All those things that, you, but this. It, it does mirror RuneQuest quite a lot. It has all the same principles yeah. of RuneQuest, doesn't it, in there. So I remember being enthusiastic because I thought, brilliant, I've got RuneQuest, but it's not RuneQuest. Yeah. So I've, I've got a loophole with the uh, Prime Directive here, haven't I? But it seemed to, uh, we, we played it quite enthusiastically for a short period of time. I, I remember being enthusiastic, mm. but it, it withered on the vine. Why was that? I think it withered because Simon didn't like it. Right. I think it was that always that problem, wasn't it? That he was a big fan of RuneQuest and any other game he wasn't that interested in. And because you only had two players, you and him, or me and him, or whatever, yeah. depending who was running, um, if 50% of your players, which is actively what it is, aren't interested, then doesn't doesn't work, does it? No. You know, these, these are the days. Not like that now, is it? You've got loads of options for playing with people and certain people might not like a game they just won't play it, will they? You find someone else who will. Yeah. But back back in those days, you had to try and get the enthusiasm of two people. And if those two people weren't enthusiastic, one of them wasn't enthusiastic. No, Eddie, Eddie and Herbs hadn't arrived on their white charges yet, had they, at this stage? Yeah, to rescue to, us. To rescue us yeah. and, and give us the experience uh, later on, a few years later, of, of playing with, I think at one point, Five players. Five players. Wow. RuneQuest with five players. How did players. we fit them around the table? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games Master. No, just to be clear, Games Master and five players. Just just going back to those uh, spheres, it, it's a sort of point-by system, isn't yeah, it, at the start, yeah. where you choose from a set of yeah. careers, uh, or these spheres as they describe them, and you can choose skills relevant to uh, that. I like... Um, Stealth is called Slink and Stalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slink yeah. and Stalk. I like that. As well as buying points, what you actually buy is dice to roll, aren't you? Yeah. So depending on what you spend, it says how many dice you get to roll to determine how much your value of a percentage your yeah. skill is. Yeah. And I think you're right that some of the rules appear convoluted, but I think it's just the way they're described. I yeah. think, in essence, it's quite a simple game, isn't it? it yeah. But it's just described in a really complicated way. Yeah, it is. It's it's just... I mean, they brag about the 175,000 words, don't they? Yeah. But in a way, that that's the root of the problem here, that there are too many words. You could... Yeah. You could... Someone could have get hold of it who knew about layout and editing and strip it down a bit re-edit it, re- sort of lay it out differently and it would probably be a lot clearer. It, it reminded me a bit of, um, it's not the same kind of system at all, but it reminded me a bit like Dragon Warriors. You know, one of Dragon Warriors' positive things was the layout was quite clear, wasn't it? Yeah. You could get your head around it, whereas this, it's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of tiny print, isn't it? it t- t- You've text. got to wade yeah. through text and... You know, and and some of the uh, sample of games do, don't doesn't really help. No, um, the character creation one doesn't really help you because no. it's so complicated. The character that they build that yeah. you think I'm lost now. I, I thought it yeah, was just it's got it. a weird rule like mass. It's got a rule about mass, hasn't it? Where 
Which again, it echoes RuneQuest because it's size, isn't it? Yeah. It has, you roll, you roll your stats as 2d10, but not your mass. Your mass is rolled as a d10 plus a d6 plus two. And that then determines your strength. And you think, right, okay. <laughs> to make it that complicated, yeah. you know. So there is that to it. Yeah. You know. So this is speed rating. We're now doing the bit, it's open box, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. how is this informed the gamers that we are today has it had any influence or impact on us probably not no <laughs> if we're honest the, no and but the thing i remember from it i do distinctly remember is that reading these rules for some reason inspired us to start creating our own mm, game yeah and i don't know what it is about this game that made us think well we could write our own um, and we yeah. we did a game that was loosely based on some of the elements of this, but instead of using D10s, we used D12s just for the devilment. Just for devilment, because no one ever uses the D12. <laughs> but I, I suppose um, it does have an amateurish feel to it. Yeah. But but at the same time, not so amateurish that it feels like a fanzine game or something like that. It is a proper game published by a proper company and available in shops. But the production values feel a few notches down from, you, at the time, felt a few notches yeah. down from your players' handbooks and your uh, RuneQuest supplements. And uh, Dragon Quest. And Dragon Quest things. and all the other games. So even yeah. some of the more obscure games we played had reasonably decent production values. Yeah. Um, whereas, because this is stapled paper booklets, perhaps that put in our heads the idea that Actually, well, we you can, do... can, you know, we bought it, we've played their game and it's paper booklets in a little cardboard box. Maybe you could do your own. I think what's, I think what's interesting about it, there are some ideas in it that even though we didn't, I don't think we gave them much thought at the time, but they are a little bit ahead of the time, I think. Just by these rules, what are your three rules? Three rules, three rules are yeah. the, the wealth, wealth levels. Yeah. Encumbrance. Yeah. And nodes. 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 That's yeah. nodes. Nodes. Not noses. Nodes. Nodes. Oh, we've become clear. Now, for some reason, when we, when they used to say nodes, we used to find it hilarious, didn't we? It's a funny word, isn't it? Nodes. Yeah. Nodes. Particularly in a northern accent. People are <laughs> laughing now, aren't they? They say nodes. 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 Yeah. Hey, it's a magical node. <laughs> <laughs> Something funny about it. Get so, Alan Bennett to say it. It'd be even funnier, wouldn't it? I'm surprised... I mean, we're going to go into these rules. I'm surprised you haven't uh, talked about combat because combat is a big element of it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but I suppose it's yeah. I mean, I like the combat because the combat's a very rune questy, isn't it? It's percentages yeah. and you can parry and weapons can break. There's all sorts of things go on. But I suppose yeah. it didn't quite leap out at me. No, as being particularly innovative. But it's quick. Quite tactical as well, isn't it? Because mm. I think you can see that this was produced by a miniatures. Company, yeah, because yeah. there's an emphasis on placement and yeah. uh, that that kind of thing that you often get with uh, minis games, isn't it? That? Yeah. Um, so let me allow you to open your tea and <laughs> have a slurp of your tea, and let's have a look at the first. Well, the thing, the first thing I think is wealth levels. So what it does, and modern, modern games do this. Vason does this, doesn't it? With a with a wealth with a, uh, you make a roll for your resources it, it doesn't talk about it in terms of money it talks about you acquiring certain wealth levels so for example I think the wealth levels run from something like 0 or 1 right through to 20 odd which is like kings and princes 
And if you want abroad, if you want to buy a long a broadsword, you need a wealth level of four. Yes. So you can't acquire one unless you have that wealth level, uh, rather than actually tracking gold pieces. And it does make a point. The, the, the writers of the game clearly think that kind of bookkeeping stuff is a bit boring. Yeah. So they're against that. They don't bother tracking gold pieces. We're just going to work out that the more treasure you get, it'll translate into wealth levels. So once you get to level four, you can buy a broadsword or something like that. But if you want play armour, you might need a wealth level or two higher, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a weird hybrid of traveller tech levels with <laughs> credit rating. Money. Yeah, credit yeah, rating. credit rating, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, and and I suppose what's innovative about it is, as well as going up, you can go down. Yes, you, you can. can lose. Uh, yeah. You can lose wealth, yeah. and it implies, as well as having the wealth, so your gold or whatever, it's to do with your status as well. So as well yeah. as absolutely, yeah, it ties into your actual status. So it's not quite charisma, but it but it has an impact on your status in society. And in a way, it's a great idea because one of the problems you get with games I've always said this, money in games are always a problem isn't it so when players get money what they'll do is they'll buy stuff with it that's useful they'll buy better armour better sword better this better that but in real life that's not what you do with money is it in real life if you acquired lots of money you might buy better stuff but you'd also wear finer clothes wouldn't you Yeah. and this is what the sword bearer tries to replicate that as your wealth level goes up your, your status goes up because you're wearing better clothes, aren't you? Yeah. You look, you look better. Yeah. You have more baths. You don't yeah. stink as much. You know, yeah. Because you can, because in in that world, you can afford that. You can afford a decent haircut. You can afford a fancy hat. And as a consequence, your influence increases as well. So yeah. your network of people yeah, you, know. you can call upon and uh, yeah. the level of jobs that you might do yeah. improve. Yeah. It's very, it's very clever, and it does get round that idea that. And this is probably more of a problem back in the day than it is now. But players who spend all the money on weapons and useful things, when in reality you'd spend it on, you know, and then, and then when they go to the tavern, they pick the cheapest room and the yeah. cheapest food and the cheapest cl- clothes because that's not, it doesn't game out the right way, does it? No. Why would you care? Why am I going to spend money on a bath at the tavern when it doesn't actually make me a more powerful warrior? But in reality... You would do, wouldn't you? Yeah. You've got, you've got, you come back from the dungeon with tons of gold. You're going to think, do you know what? Let's have a nice meal and a bath. Yeah. <laughs> but players don't. But the wealth levels tries to replicate those things rather than just bean counting. Yes. So that, and that is really a really clever rule. Actually, I agree. I, I agree. And what was the second one? Encumbrance. Encumbrance. Now this is a classic. This one. This is brilliant. A brilliant. It says rule. you can carry ten things, doesn't it? That's it. That's it. You know, which I think led to a joke. I'm sure I read somewhere that it led to a joke. One of the, somebody reviewing it said, "Oh, I can carry ten pianos then, can I?" Yeah, <laughs> very funny. Yeah, but it, I suppose again, the people designing the game are a little bit irritated by bookkeeping, bookkeeping, the tediousness of encumbrance. You know, yeah. oh well, you know, can I carry two swords? Well, hang on, how much is the weight of you? That well, yeah, just about, but you can't carry. A, quiver of arrows that means without taking some penalty oh my god yeah you know so it's just straightforward 10 things you just can't carry more than 10 things yeah. you have to jettison them yeah if you... which i have seen in um, 
Troika has a, that kind of mouse rate. There's some yeah. some simple games now do go down that road. That slots, of... yeah, just just encumbrance slots, and that's that's what you've got. Simple as that. And this game's doing it back in not 1981, 1982. Yeah, yeah. I think and it I... is. A, and it is a, despite despite some bits of the rules being a bit wordy difficult to get through um, it is a breath of fresh air when you get to a rule like that and go oh right okay that sounds reasonable yeah ten things all right it's a high trust thing isn't it it's yeah it a, is yeah. to say yeah whatever's reasonable yeah you, you can do it yeah yeah but not yeah. a bad thing no and the third thing third thing is nodes 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 oh. the magic the magic system when you it's, say nodes, I, I do keep thinking of gonads, but yeah. I don't know why. But maybe I'll it's try just and me. avoid saying it. <laughs> nodes. It's disturbing. Go on, nodes. Um, nodes. Um, the magic system, uh, again, because it doesn't have classes, it's open to everyone. But as I said earlier, if you don't pick certain spheres, it's kind of not worth bothering with, but anyway. But the way it works, it has elemental magic and spirit magic in the rules, doesn't it? Um, and it does warn you that as a, as when you're beginning the game, don't bother with spirit magic because it's a bit more complicated. Yeah. But they work, still work on similar principles, which is this idea of nodes. So if you um, the mag, the element, elemental magic system is in many ways conventional. It's a series of spells, different circles, different levels of power s- spells that do the, the kind of stuff you imagine spells do. Nothing special there. But the way they're powered is by these elemental nodes that you've got to find in the world and capture, haven't you? Yeah. So it talks about, you might find, uh, they're not everywhere, but if you're skilled and trained in it, you can spot one in maybe a fire. Yeah. So the tavern fire might yeah. glint and glitter and you think, ah, right, okay. There's a, there's a fire node in there. And if you then capture it, you can use it to power spells, can't you? Yeah. And it is it. Again, I think back in the day, I probably looked at it and thought, oh, oh why can't we just have a magic system? But reading it now, it is very clever. It, it has a certain something about it, it's, you know, that it's unusual and different. Yeah, because like in, in D&D, it might have components, but it's one of those things that you hand wave away, isn't it? Eventually, yeah. you can yeah. say, oh, yeah, we'll assume you've got them. Yeah, we'll assume you've got some ground dragon's tooth or something. Well, this is going to... Um, give a purpose for people who have magic to yeah. look for things, to yeah. look into uh, dungeons or whatever, to yeah. try and source yeah. extra. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But also be a driver for adventures in themselves, just uh, the discovery of uh, nodes. Yeah, and you can't really hand wave it away because it's quite key to the whole system, isn't it? Yeah. Because you know? it does power them. And I think, I think you can power spells with it, but then you roll and they can burn out, can't they? Yeah, they can kind of burn out the nodes. They don't last, necessarily last forever, and then you have to find another one. It does have that um, early uh, era, uh, vintage approach to spells, where some of them are more powerful than others, aren't they? Yeah. So you know you yeah. can get one that can warm up your hands, and yeah. another one that can blow a building up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Flesh to stone or tie shoelaces. <laughs> yes. A bit on a day-to-day basis, tie shoelaces probably more more useful. But not quite the same level as petrifying your enemy. But I think the magic system, along with the social status thing, does give the implied setting. I think very much. Yeah, the wealth the wealth thing implies a medieval European medieval setting, doesn't it? Yeah. Different statuses. Some, yeah. 
and the magic gives you some indication of how important magic is in the world and how magic yeah. manifests in the world. Yeah, and that yeah, and that's what's good about, it, isn't it? That it, it the magic doesn't it isn't just magical in that it sits outside the world. Like in some games, it does, doesn't it? it sits outside the world. Yeah. But in this, it it is in the world to be found by people who are aware of it. So it's there to, for the taking, but you've got to be skilled enough to spot it and capture it. And there's a light uh, cosmology about it as well to mm. show how the different elements relate to each other. Yeah. Which I liked. Yeah. And the spirit magic is a similar thing, but the nodes are in, in people, in things, bodies, aren't they? Like yeah. parts of the spirit that you can either take or use your own to channel magic. It's a similar, yeah. similar kind of thing. Yeah. But, but it's, it's good. It's, it, yeah, it's kind of a bit different and it doesn't make sense on Rio. I think maybe back in the day I read it and thought, Oh, can they not just have magic? You know, because yeah. you know, how do I com- convey this to people? But now I read it and think it's quite a, quite a clever little idea, really. But a bit different from all the other games. It's got a bestry, like Crowds, all yeah. good games should have a bestry, mm. and it's got all your usuals in there, hasn't it? It has, and it does have the approach that you can play any of these so yeah and again that's a, that's another echo of RuneQuest isn't it and when, I, when I read it I did think this replicates RuneQuest in as much as the um, you, you can you can play anything because everything's stated isn't it it's not like uh, Monster Manual Hit Dice and Armour Class it's all stated out so you could play a Minotaur you could you know and there's a sort of uh, relativism in the description of the mm. different monsters, they don't depict them as evil. They just depict them as... Yeah, that's true, actually. There, there is no alignment or anything, is there? There's nothing like that in it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's have a monster off. Go on. Let's compare monsters. Okay. Okay. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to raise a skelket. A skelket. Well, I'm, I'm going to... Out of sheer devilment. Because it's got to be mentioned, hasn't it? This has got to be mentioned. People probably ahead of us now who know the game. The Bunrab. The Bunrab, yeah. The Bunrab. And you see, again, RuneQuest, the Bunrab, these rabbit men, are their ducks. Yes. They're their ducks, aren't they? You know. Yeah, and the authors originally did uh, Bunnies and Burrows. Did so they, right? Okay. This is maybe probably a throwback. Maybe that's to why. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, so the Bunrab. The Bunrab has a particular racial quality in that they're quite timid, aren't they? Yeah, it says they kind of stick around in groups, don't they? Because they're quite... They're almost like frightened rabbits. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Like frightened man rabbits. <laughs> they're, not as, they're not as weird as uh, hoppers in uh, Gamma World, are they? They're a bit no. more... They're just they like a little, little... They look half... a bit more forlorn in the Yeah, they're just like little halfling... Halfling-style rabbit men, aren't they? Yeah. Really? That's what they are. Just Bun rabs. Bun rabs, yeah. Well, the Selket is uh, an insectoid uh, creature. And what amuses me about it is that they have certain benefits, but um, water uh, causes them damage. And in the rules, it determines what, how much rain damage does to them compared with snow. Uh, so, <laughs> so, what are they called? Selkits. Selkits. So Selkit dads can't say to the kids, why are you outside? It's only a bit of rain. You won't <laughs> melt. Or will, actually, Dad. Yeah. Or will, but, well, yeah, we will, won't we? It's only spitting. <laughs> it's only a bit of rain. Nothing yeah. to worry about. Quite a lot to worry about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
There we go. Monster <laughs> off. Yeah. Bun wrap. Uh, the bun wraps are rubbish. Yeah. I just felt they needed to be mentioned. I'm quite enthusiastic having read it again. Yeah. And start to roll a character for it. To yeah, have yeah. a have a game of you it. You do this, don't you? You dig out these old games and you want to run a game. Yeah. Until you burned out the enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's because there is that residual nostalgic buzz yeah. that I had when we played yeah. it. And to see, I mean, we've read it, haven't we? But yeah. we've not played it again. And I suppose as well, it, it is, like we've said a few times already, it is, it is pretty good. Yeah. It, it's not like one of these uh, old games that you read and think, good grief, yeah. how'd you play this? Even if you did play it back in the day, you read it now and think, how did we play this? Yeah, like we did with uh, Dragon Quest or something. Yeah, Dragon, yeah, Dragon Quest. How did we was, get our head? How did we get our head around this? I can't get my head around it now. Before, yeah. how did I get my head around it? When I was twelve. But but with Sawbury, it does it does stand up a bit? You think it'd be all right? This it's kind of playable. It is yeah. a playable game, even now. You know, despite some quirks. And I suppose again, if if we were doing Judge Blythe's rules, the one I don't think there's a rule in it that I I don't like necessarily. I think it's just probably the layout and format of it. It's almost like that layout and format and the overwriting of it hides some of the qualities of it, really. Yeah. It does make you realise how, with games, you can get an average game, but if it's laid out well, it can be appealing. Yeah. You know, if it's well produced and laid out well and clear, it can be appealing. And equally, a really good game that's sort of produced in a not so good way or an overly wordy way or a bad font or something like that can make you think mm, not so sure yeah you know. sounds a bit shallow that but it's, it's i think it's true isn't it, some yeah. extent you can yeah. look at things and think i think i'm interested to see how it plays in play because we mentioned that uh, many things are resolved mm. by percentiles and that always brings with it the thing of failure doesn't it a chance of failure yeah, yeah but the other thing it does is some of the saving throws are opposed throws using 2d10 plus your skill yeah and 2d10s will be really swingy as well yeah. won't they as swingy as a d20 really the other interesting thing I suppose worth mentioning some of the skills are like yes or no aren't they yeah it does that some of the knowledge skills aren't you don't roll it's either you know it or you don't which yeah. again is kind of quite innovative for the time because yeah. I don't remember any other games that did that. So no. not all. So climbing a wall, you're gonna have to roll. But if it's something like knowing about your own country, your yeah. own lands, it's a yes or no. Like yeah, you, you know stuff. Yeah, it's know. not going to stop you. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to yeah. stop you. You know, yeah. bit bit gumshoe. I'm it's yeah. a bit gumshoe ahead of its time, isn't it? You know, yeah. if it's if it's a knowledge thing, you just know it. Simple as that. That's good. Mm. Yeah, definitely want to go back to. Do you like to peek behind the curtain? Tabletop Talk from Third Floor Wars takes you behind the scenes. We interview designers and discover how they make their games. What was the first spark, that first idea? How did that idea develop into a game thousands of people love and play? These are the questions we ask designers. So if you want in-depth interviews with people like Shane Helmsley, John Wick, Ed Greenwood, and John Harper, check out Tabletop Talk from Third Floor Wars. On your favourite podcatcher. Games Master Screen. Oh, welcome back. We're back in the room of role playing rambling. I'm going to erect this screen between us to hide my secrets. It's a bit of a different one, this one. Okay. Okay. This is a post lockdown look 
at ourselves. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. <laughs> the horror. We've been talking, haven't we? Off mic for yes. a number of weeks about mm. games we've got and are we are we gonna ever play them? The ones that are on the show. Yeah, shelves? games we've got and also uh, also some games that were byproducts of a lockdown madness. I found I wasn't spending as much money on real things and therefore decided I'll buy games. Yeah. And bought so many games bought games I think now, what well, we did I buy that for and am I gonna ever play it? So what I thought and this is a new format. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this could catch on this, right? You've heard of Snog, Marry, Avoid or something. Like, is that what it is? I, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one. I used to annoy my, I used to watch that with my wife occasionally and annoy her. <laughs> really annoy her every time by when... It, 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 it was like a dating thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It's supposed to be a bad light, this, isn't it? But it's a dating thing. And they would interview people in the street. We'd all go, ooh, I'd avoid her. Ooh, I'd avoid her. And then they'd say, see, everyone would avoid you. And we did a make, they did a makeover, didn't they? And yeah. then everyone in the street said, oh, I'd snog her. Or marry her. It was yeah. this tiresome format. Yeah, terrible. What I used to say was, oh, I'd marry her. Right at the beginning, I'd marry her. My wife got really annoyed me. She said, can you say that? Terrible. Tired oh, format. Tired format. I'm not saying this is a tired format because you've not started yet. <laughs> yeah, but it could tie quickly. It could tie quickly. Anyway, continue. Okay. So what I thought we'd have, play, stay, or give away. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So we'll look at three games. We'll pick three games each. Yeah, all right. And at the end of it, we have to decide, is it one we're going to play? Is it one that gets a stay of execution so it can stay oh, on I the see. shelf? Okay. Or... Uh, is it one that we say right? We're going to give that away. Cause so I'm picking three. Pick does does one have to go into each category? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think we'll, we'll determine that at the end. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. You can't do that. You, you not thought? Have you thought this format through? It, it's well. Let's workshop it. Let's see. This is all like right. a okay. We, 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 see if it catches on. So, catch. so what's your first uh, nomination? My first nomination is a game called Worm. Worm. The worm. We the, talked about this before, haven't we? Worm. Yeah, I think it's worm. Yeah, there's an accent over the U. Yeah. yeah anyway. Worm. W W U R M. With an omelette. Is it? Is it an omelette? Is that what they're called? With an omelette. Over the over the U, isn't it? Oh, is that what? I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, which is a kind of Stone Age role playing game, Ice Age Stone Age role playing game, where you play. Um, so cavemen, you see, this gets to the heart of the problem. I'm tempted to, well, you play cavemen, you play cavemen. Uh, but it's it's quite historical in the way it sets out. So obviously, you don't know that much about these people. So it fills in some of the blanks. But it does go for a straight portrayal of this This is what tools these people had, where they were kind of hunter-gatherers, you know, they'd move around. You know, in, my, kind of thing. in my head, I'm thinking of that film, uh, beginning of the 80s, Quest for Fire. Is, it, is that what it is? Quest for Fire. Quest, I've not seen Quest for Fire. Quest for Fire is a bit like the opening sequence of 2001 yeah, Space yeah, Odyssey yeah, yeah. spread out over 90 minutes. Right. Oh, you, you sold know, that to me then. <laughs> well, I'd like to say it's not like that. But I think that's the problem with it. Right. It, is, it is a pretty good game, I think. It's quite a simple game. It's 2d6 with target number 7-9, kind of target number things. And you roll, you just roll 2d6, unless you've got certain traits. So you can pick like three, I think it's three traits. And it's all done in a very shamanistic kind of way. So you can have the strength of the bear, which means you roll three dice rather than two. Or you can have the uh, speed of the lynx, 
So you don't have stats, you just have three traits that bump certain, and you can also pick failing frailties for extra bonuses. So you can be like lame or you can be... That's all very, that's all very good. Mm. But what am I doing? What, why, well, am I, why am I here? What am I doing this, this is, for? This is the thing with it. I, I think on the face of it, it's not very appealing because you think, why do I want to be a caveman? What's the point? Why would I want to be a caveman? But what you do, you have like a little, it's, it's almost a bit like Pendragon. Right. You have a tribe, a very small tribe, and you have prestige and sort of the, how the tribe values you, you know, what your status in the tribe is, that kind of thing. And there are monsters, there are monsters. They're not, they're not, it does have a section of, of fantasy monsters, which seems a bit weird. Right. It says you can use these if you want, like a chimera, a hydra, and you think, why? But you have got mammoths and giant rhinoceroses and all these kind yeah. of prehistoric kind of monsters. Saber-toothed tigers and stuff. No, apparently they were extinct before. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I know, disappointing. But that, but that's the level of it, you see. They, they're not in it because they were extinct, apparently. Um, but but so you can you have play, a hydra. They won't, they won't give me well, a saber-toothed tiger. I feel let down. Maybe they do, maybe they do. But, it, but if they do, I think it might be under the fictional. But anyway. Anyway. So well. But this is the problem. This is why it stayed on the shelf. Because I think it's a hard sell. Yeah. It feels to me like a hard sell to yeah. players. I've got this game, you're going to be cavemen. And everyone's instinct will be, oh, God, really? Do we, why do you want to be a caveman for? But it is all right. It has like a whole section. There is magic in it. But it's very subtle magic. And it's done in such a way that whilst obviously there was no magic back then, but you believe in it, therefore paintings on your face and certain shamans can give you certain blessings and that kind of thing. You can learn magic, but it's not, it's not fireball and magic missile. It's far more subtle than that. Anyway, it, it echoes Pendragon to some extent because you've got this thing where you can get married, you can have children, you know, in the tribe. Mm. And, and you've got to go hunting and that kind of thing. So there's that element to it. There's a bit of room quest to it because the magic's very shamanistic and tribal and all that kind of thing. And it's one of those games where I think if you could convince people to play it, probably like it. Yeah. But it's just, and this sometimes happens with games, doesn't it? I, I worry that if I presented it to players, they might think, oh, I don't want to be a caveman. Why would you want to be a caveman? And that's yeah. why it's that, as a game, it's very good, 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 simple system with enough going on to keep it interesting. And the information they give you when you read it, it's quite evocative. It does yeah. make you think, actually, this would be all right. It sounds like a, a game that you would have to commit to a few sessions to get the value out of it. Yeah, I think possibly, yeah. And I yeah. think that's where there's a theme emerging from the three that I selected. Yeah. Um, which we might uh, hook into. But my first uh, nomination for play, stay, giveaway mm-hmm. is Band of Blades. Oh, yeah. Band of Blades is a Forged in the Dark game, mm-hmm. so it's based on Blades in the Dark. I got it in my post-Blades in the Dark enthusiasm, and it is an intriguing premise that you play a legion, a squad of st- soldiers, that have completed the battle. Uh, it's still uh, happening, this uh, battle, this war is still happening, but you are returning back mm. to the castle. So um, the series, a sequence of uh, sessions is about your uh, 
and return home. A bit like Aegon. Yeah. In terms of the theme of you, you're going home, but bound to get home, you're going to encounter various problems. And yeah. Things. And it's played on two levels in a similar way to uh, Blades in the Dark, in that you've got your squad level, so you've got your type of army. Um, so, you know, in Blades in the Dark, you've got your gang. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you can do, uh, you build up uh, with your playbooks, your um, squadron, and your, your 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 unit, if you like, uh, and the uh, different elements of that. But you've also got the other level where you're playing character playbooks. So you might be a spy, for example, yeah. and you're doing like, little adventures based on how to progress yourself through this and to get advantage against your opponents yeah. um, as you are making your way back uh, to uh, the castle. And I keep picking it up and thinking... No, I really should put aside some mm. uh, time yeah. um, uh, to do it. There's a couple of things that uh, put me off. The first thing is that you probably need a set of players who would buy in uh, yeah. to it. Um, but that's always the case, isn't it? It's what we were saying earlier about sword bearer, isn't it? Like, really, to get the commitment, everybody's got to be on board for yeah. playing in the, this particular way because it's a particular style of play. Yeah. And I suppose the next thing that... Um, bothers me about it and I think this is where I'm coming back to where this is there's a consistency across all mine is that I'm the kind of person who likes to know that there's a structure in place in life mm. in my dealings at work mm. in my uh, dealings with games I like to, I like a good structured game to be behind it yeah however as a human being I find it impossible to follow structures <laughs> I bounce around them and find myself going down different avenues and what have you. And this is very structured play, yes. as you expect from yeah, those yeah. Um, Forged in the Dark games. The, you know, you, there is a sequence that you need to mm. uh, go through uh, in a cycle in order to complete the different elements to make sure that it, it builds up. It puts a lot of emphasis on players creating their own uh, world and their own experience within this uh, yeah. world, which is great, but you have to follow this structure to get the best out of it. And I think that's the bit I have difficulty with thinking, right, okay, I've got an idea for uh, a scenario, but I know that I've got to use this structure and that's the bit I can't get past. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean because we've been, we've been playing some egg on, haven't we? And, and that has a similar kind of structures and, and it is odd. Um, I found it odd with Aegon as a games master because you can only plan so much yeah. because the structure has to kick in and the structure will take care of some of it. But that is an odd thing from a traditional games mastering point of view to get your head around because I always think with those Aegon games, I should have prepared more. And then I think, I don't think I can. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got your... Uh, your island, you've got your problem, you've got your NPCs, you've got this, you've got that. But really, it's about dropping the players in and having a structure that takes them through it. But you can't really prep for that. No. Because the structure will... And, I've, and I'm kind of okay with that. It's just that what if the what happens around the table takes you down a particular avenue that you find interesting to explore, but it doesn't conform to... Yeah. 
the yeah. structure. That's the bit I always uh, struggle yeah. with. And I've played Blades in the Dark a couple of times. That's the bit that I've found, you know, the players have got excited about doing a particular mm. thing and you're thinking, yeah. well, that we can do that, but um, we'll need to do that in this particular phase. It's a tipping point, I think, where those kind of games have, where the structure on the one hand supports the game and makes it easier for you as a games master because you've got a structure to kind of push the players through and that structure generates ideas from the players. But at the same time, you like you say, he's like, it's like uh, <laughs> herding sheep. You've got to herd them back into the structure if they stray from the structure because you start thinking, well, no, that's not how it works. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. You've got to do this. You know, yeah. this is the way it works. And Aegon's like that. It has structures, yeah. doesn't it? But if... If you decided to try and do something off beam, it might not fit. Yeah. It might not fit. I, I know what you mean. And you, can, is... and you can possibly make it fit. I think it's getting the level of confidence in it. And what I've found with those uh, games, and we'll come on to the other games that I've chosen, is that by the time that you've built up enough confidence to think, oh, yeah, I get the swing of this now, I get, yeah. uh, get the hang of it, and the players have got the hang of it, by that point, You've kind of got a bit bored of it. You've run a lot of it then. By yeah. then, you've run a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've, yeah. Run, you've run uh, five or six sessions and you're thinking, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get the hang of it now, but we've done five or six of these now. Yeah. We stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So that's Band of Blades, and I still think it's a very evocative setting and it, it feels very um, dark and militaristic. Mm. And it, I think you could have a lot of fun with it if you had the right players. Yeah. What's your second nomination? My next nomination is a game called Icons. I I don't know this one. It's a superhero role-playing game. And I bought it um, when lockdown was on because, um, as we all did, went a bit game mad and bought stuff. But it came on the back of us starting to run playing Necessary Evil. Yeah. And we've in, we've never been ones, apart from a bit of Golden Heroes. It's only a bit of Golden Heroes. Yeah. We've said this before. We've never been ones. Not massive uh, comic book superhero no, fans, no. are we? But I've enjoyed Necessary Evil so much. Um, we're due to resume that, aren't we? Yeah. We've enjoyed it so much and kind of immersed ourselves in that game, Superhero. I thought, maybe there's, there's room on my shelf for a superhero role-playing game. Stupidly. Why didn't I just buy the Savage World Superhero Companion? <clears throat> that, that would have been the best thing to do, wouldn't it? But yeah. I didn't do that, did I? I decided to look around and I thought, this Icons, people said it's good, so I bought Icons. And it is all right. It's it's kind of loosely based on Fate. Right. So, you use Fate Dice? No, I don't use Fate Dice, but what it does, it, it uses, you have abilities and it, and it uses a D6, so you roll a D6 and add your ability to it. It works along the but it but it does use that sort of ladder of success, you know, like fate does, where the the, the higher your success is, the better it is. Yeah. As in like a brilliant success or an outstanding success or a bare, barely passable that kind of thing. Yeah. So you use it you can see echoes of fate in it. And did you use aspects and things like it that? It has things like that in it. So it does have yeah. echoes of fate, but it does not it's not fate as such, but it has it has echoes of it. Um but I suppose it, it's one of those games that you buy sometimes bought out of enthusiasm 
getting into a genre, getting enthusiastic about a genre. But now it sits on my shelf and I think, I don't think I'm ever going to run it. Yeah. Because if I was going to run a superhero game, I'd just use Savage Worlds. Does it? Because in a way, it, it, Savage Worlds deals with some things a bit a bit better than Icons does. Icons in it. I don't know, but it's hard to put my finger on it, really. Does it come up with a... A concept. The thing with Necessary Evil, the thing I think works is that, yeah. you know, that all the good guys have gone, and uh, you've got this alien threat, yeah, and the yeah. evil people have to uh, unite to yeah, overcome that threat. The setting kind of works, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So does it give you anything like Not that? Not really. It doesn't really give you a setting, no. No villains? But it, gives you, it gives you villains and stuff, but it doesn't give you a... And what are the villains you, up to? Are they on world. Earth? Are they cosmic? Is it cosmic well, or it, street? It, it gives, it's whatever you want. Uh, the way you create your uh, superheroes... You can pick superpowers, yeah. but it has, it's like randomly, you randomly generate oh, superpowers, right, okay. which is kind of fun. You know, that's fun. Uh, and it can be anything from, you know, uh, you can roll up a character who ends up being like a gadgeteer, you know, like he's yeah. just got gadgets, scientists with gadgets, all the way through to being an alien or something like that. So it covers the full range of superheroes. It co- doesn't really hold back. Can be a vampire superhero, an alien superhero, or whatever. So there's nothing really inherently wrong with the game. I think it's just one of those games where I think I don't think I'm really into superhero. I got a bit, I got a bit excited. And if I was going to run a superhero game, I'd use Savage Worlds. Yeah. Well, my uh, second nomination is a modern classic. People are going to make a sharp intake of breath at this moment. Okay, yeah. go on. This game has shaped role-playing over the last decade, and that is Apocalypse World. <sighs> People's brains are being sucked in collectively as uh, they hear that, aren't they? Apocalypse. People are shouting, aren't they? Because you, get, you do get people who... Get angry. At angry about it. Yeah. Like Fabio gets angry, doesn't he? Yeah. He's a big fan of the Apocalypse World games, I believe. Yeah. Big, big fan. Big fan. Really big fan. Well, I'll try and not step on his toes too much. Apocalypse World. <laughs> I have picked it up. You know, you know, um, and the year of. The... I bought you that for Christmas, didn't I? You did. I bought you that for Christmas. I feel the bad. Cover's now. got someone in it. A gas mask. It's like a weird, some yeah, kind of weird BDSM. Yeah, you just, just like, I remember thinking when it arrived. I thought, yeah, came from Leisure Games, probably packed by Fabio. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember thinking, what's this? What's going on Good here? Grief. And I've picked it up. You know, I had the year of the apocalypse. Yeah. The year the, in the plague year. Yeah. I was looking at games, you apocalypse were, yeah. games, yeah. and uh, post-apocalyptic games, and trying to play one a month. Mm. And the number of times I picked up Apocalypse World to, <laughs> to run it, and yeah. think, right, I'll schedule some games in. And every time I hit it, there was a few things mm. that went through my head. For, right. The first thing is the way that it's written. And I know... That, that is one of the things that people say is brilliant. But it's in that style, a very informal style. There's a, quite a lot of effing and jeffing in it. Yeah, For, for yeah. one thing. Yeah. But that kind of style that I've described before is like the, the supply geography teacher who comes in and wants to be <laughs> your mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just he wants to be your mate, but I don't want you to be your mate. Just, just tell me what tell I'm supposed the, to do. The bloody game works, yeah. <laughs> yeah just tell yeah, me what no, I, I know what you mean. And, that, and that, that, that comes back to the point I've made before that that's... The game could be perfectly okay, but the style of it, the style it's written in, the style it's presented to you in can sometimes be quite off-putting. Yeah. Yeah, it turn you against it a bit. Yeah. 
So that, that that's one thing. I can look past that. I can yeah. get get into that. So I can move, move things. Then the other bit is this. Again, it has a very structured approach. So you know, the idea is not one that you can play in um, a one shot. Really, mm. you, it, you need to have six sessions, and those six sessions have a particular purpose in uh, shaping the structure yeah. and how you play. Am I going to find six? Am I going to find the people to play this for six <laughs> sessions in order to do it? So that that's another reason why the cover. Clauses. You know, every time you say you can't find the right players, do you realise you're talking to me? Just <laughs> yeah. playing most of your games, and, but I'm ignoring that. Yeah, I'm assuming you think I'm cool enough to play in all these games. And no, I guess no we've comment got. There. I'm not making no any comment. comment. I think, I think maybe maybe that's one of the things because you know I've known you for a long time, haven't yeah. I? And what it deals with, quite rightly, and this is what it, it's a unique and selling point, really, is that it deals with the fact that come post-apocalypse, our relationships with each other mm. will necessarily change. Yeah. And that'll include our sexual relationships. Mm. So if you've got people uh, at close confines with each other, their interpersonal relationships and their... Yeah. Uh, interactions and the sexual dimension will become a factor, inevitably. I'm in a nuclear bunk and you are literally the last man on earth. Yeah, it yeah. kind of deals with that mm, yeah. relationship. I know, I know, I know where you're going with it because I, yeah, you do think, do I want that in my game? Yeah, do I? Do I? Do you know what? The other thing is, <laughs> I'm only 55. Am I mature enough to deal with this? <laughs> you know. What? Because yeah. age or, and maturity or alternatively, are different. am I too mature to be bothered with it? <laughs> yes. Therefore, I don't want it in. I can't be bothered with it anymore. Maybe <laughs> 30 odd years ago, I would be quite excited in a role-playing game, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there is that side to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because it's not like, I wouldn't describe either as prudish. No. In any way, not at all, you know. But, yeah, you mean in the role-playing game, it's off. I know your limits, but what I know other people's yeah. limits. Yeah, I think I know your limits from knowing you for a long time. Yeah, But yeah. how comfortable would I be with another yeah. three players in yeah. kind of dealing with that in a mature way? Stepping into an area that in in the last 40-odd years of role-playing games, we, we don't really stray into. Yeah. Yeah, no. and I laud it for the fact that it does that kind of thing. Yeah, I think yeah, it, yeah. it's perfectly reasonable for, for that to because it is part of us being human beings and it, it, and it's part of the uh, art of role yeah. playing. It yeah. should be an area that is explored. Yeah, but I just don't know whether I can. I really want to, but I don't. I don't know. If I can. No, I, I know what you mean because the game was talking about last time. Cult that has sexual stuff in it. Um, it's not all sexual, but there doesn't, there's an element of it where you can, if you want, bring sexual stuff into it. I know what you mean. Do feel weirdly uncomfortable about it, as if it's just an area that we're a bit ignorant of. Because we've never, we've never, in a role-playing game, we've never, I mean, apart from when we were 12, you know, or you can get, win the hand of the attractive princess. Mm. But, but, you know, apart from, apart from something silly like that, yeah. it's never really been... But, and I think that's... Um... That is an issue, isn't it? Mm. That, and that's where I'm coming back to uh, levels of maturity. In the fictional settings of role-playing games, yeah. the way that those relationships are dealt with are pretty crass, aren't they? And 
Pretty um, crass, but also I suppose even now we we might have those things in a game, but you, you draw the veil over it, don't you? Mm. I mean, you might have you might have a character who's in love with another character, another player character, or with an NPC, and that might motivate the way they act. We do, yeah. do things like that, but but the actual sexual politics, sexual encounter side of it something we just yeah. draw a veil veils and lines and all that isn't it yeah. you know, we I sort of wish that it was a game that I discovered when I was younger because yeah. it probably would help me understand interpersonal relationships a bit better I think it's a dangerous therapy session <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah. let's move on let's move, move, on. On. move on move on ignore this it's a rug covering a hole right what's your next uh, my final one is a game called and I, I just let me look this up because I, I always get them in the wrong order I got the words in the wrong order. It is a game called Warrior Rogue Mage. Right, that is Warrior that is a rogue. rubbish title. You don't it's, like, it, you don't it's, like that, do you? It's, it, it's no, already no. on the back foot. Yeah. This one yeah. already. But, yeah, okay. Warrior Rage Rubbish. It's a it's a type of game. I've got quite a few of these games. I suppose it exemplifies a type of game that I've got. It's a fantasy game, so a traditional fantasy game. And the way it works is, I think you can get it for free actually. I'm not surprised with the title. Like yeah, that. it's free. I can't get past the title. You can't get past the title. But what it, what, the reason it's called that, it does a kind of D&D thing, but it doesn't have statistics. It's a bit like Sword Bear, it has spheres. So it has a warrior, rogue, and mage sphere. And what you do, and you have ten points, and you divvy them up over those spheres. So you might stick four points in warrior, four in rogue, and two in mage. And you can put zero in them as well. You can put zero in them. Um, and they cover doing stuff, which is warrior, Fighting, kicking indoors, that kind of thing. Rogue, sneaking around or maybe tricking people, that kind of thing. A mage is like magic, but also knowing stuff. And basically it works on a D6. You roll a D6, you add that stat, depending on which sphere it falls under. So combat is going to be roll a D6. Monsters have a target number, beat the target number. D6 is explode as well. So it does oh, use right. exploding dice. Yeah, it's yeah, intriguing, okay. you know. I can explode in dice, don't I? I do. Yeah. So you roll a DC, get six, explodes, that kind of thing. Um, very simple. But it is just a fantasy game. It is just a bare bones fantasy game. So it's got weapons, monsters, magic, spells. Got everything you need. Everything you need. Perfectly legitimate. Everything you need. Fantasy game. Very simple. Uh, but again, there's enough in it to make it interesting. Deals with character progression. And it, it's about... Think about a thirty-page booklet, everything, and that, in some ways, you see, those games do appeal to me from an aesthetic and intellectual point of view because I quite admire people who create games like that because you do think, yeah, you've covered everything here. You have covered everything in one game, and there's some neat little mechanics in it, you know. And I've got quite a few games like that. I've got Black Hack and Tiny Dungeon, things like that. Why well, isn't that the problem? But yeah, that it, the problem is. It's just another fantasy game. Yeah. So this it comes back to this problem of players, doesn't it? How would I convince the players I know yeah. that it's worth playing? It appeals to me from an aesthetic or intellectual point of view, from a design point of view, I think, we really need this. Yeah. But but is that enough? Is that enough? That's yeah. the problem with it, you know. Is that enough to really take down a cobalt. Are you gonna take down a cobalt? Are you gonna use this system, another system. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and like 
discovering when you've got things like old school essentials or dungeon crawl classics on your shelf that kind of do a bit more maybe yeah do a bit you can argue they're more complicated but they do a bit more do a bit so, more and you've got the name recognition and I think you can't undervalue that because yeah. you know particularly when it comes to convention games yeah. Yeah. if you stick Rogue yeah. Mage Warrior yeah, whatever, whatever yeah, it's called know. yeah exactly on, on people yeah. are going to go mm. if you put DCC on people go right, they know okay. what they're getting yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not the games, even if they rightly or wrongly. Yes, you know you're right. Then that's it, isn't it? Even if you've played DCC or even if you've not played it, you still kind of have an idea of what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got, I've got. When we talked about this format, I've got a lot of games like that. I've made a little habit or hobby habit of, yeah. of buying these games, and can I be confident that when they do commit to playing it, they'll enjoy it and feel it's worthwhile? Was it ever thus? Yeah, was yeah, I suppose it. I suppose it always, always the way, isn't it? My, uh, my last mm. suggestion actually tries to overcome that problem mm. by having a solo version. Oh, yeah. And it is Iron Sworn. Mm. Iron Sworn. And I believe that you got this one as well, so I think it's on. But have you got a PDF, is it? I got this one PDF and uh, did nothing for me. No. I- I'd read about it, people liked it, and I got the PDF, and for some reason I read it and thought, So I got enthusiastic about it when it appeared on the Smart Party uh, podcast, and I got—I just thought this sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think I was the same. I think it sounded—it sounded great. But so there's three level modes of play really. There's the um, GM led mode. You can have a cooperative Mm. uh, mode, which is uh, you just have players and no GM, and you can play by uh, solo. And it is in a setting which is fairly bleak, mm. Iron Age setting. Um, there's no civilization necessarily. It's um, small villages and uh, wastelands, and mm. it's your uh, quest through this. But it's highly structured, and it's structured yeah. in a way that allows you to move through a um, set of uh, procedural modules if you like yeah, they, that's like right, the yeah. sequences yeah. Uh, to, to play the game make encounters and, uh, and deal with uh, situations and it is very very clever but it like you um, okay it does, does nothing for me no it left me a bit cold but uninspired left. yeah that's exactly how I thought I read it and thought okay yeah, I, get, I get it but I didn't didn't want to play it I'm quite Appealed to me this idea of playing it uh, solo, but I'm always the same with, with computer games and solo games. That when it comes to doing it, I can always think of something better to yeah. do. Exactly, I'm exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have I got Have I got the time to really be bothered? You know, because if I've got the time to I've, play a game, I could play it with other people. It'd be more fun. Yeah, more my kind of thing. It's a board, the board game paradox that uh, I'm not against board games, but if you put aside a Saturday afternoon and say, right, let's play a game, I want to play a role playing game, I don't want to play a board game. Board games is a good uh, parallel actually, because with this, yeah. because it has that uh, very defined structure that you, you move through, yeah. and again with a band of blades yeah. has that defined structure, and to some extent. The uh, apocalypse world yeah. has a defined structure, mm. whereas a cycle that you have to go through. I think it's that 
in my inner role player wants to resist that level of uh, going yeah. round the board. Yeah. You know, do, you pass. You can understand why. Whatever it was called, Iron Swan, was it called? Iron Swan. Iron Swan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You can understand why that's got a structure for solo play, because how would you do it otherwise? Yeah. You can understand that. But I suppose it's that thing of, is it, does it really become something else? Yeah. When we talked about this for Fighting Fantasy, didn't we? It's not role playing, it's yeah. something else. It, yeah. It's okay if you like that kind of thing. I'm yeah. not saying you shouldn't do it. You can make the mistake, or I've made the mistake in the past as a role player, thinking, oh, you know, you're role playing on your own. This yeah. is good, isn't it? But it's not the same. No. It's something else. Yeah. It might be a thing people love, as with Fighting Fantasy we discovered, didn't we? Yeah. Some people love it, some people don't. And it's fine. But it's not role playing. No. I mean, but what was I expecting? I don't quite know what I was expecting. I suppose I'd been. I came to it thinking, oh, you could play it solo. Oh, right, okay. This will be interesting. Well, it's not interesting for me. Yeah. Of, course it's, of course it's structured. How else can you do it? You I know? don't know whether it's it because the setting is so stark and limited that yeah. uh, causes that, or whether it is the fact that there is a structure or combination of the bomb. Mm. So yeah. it, I, it's, it's on my shelf, and I, again, I keep picking it up and thinking... Let's give it a go. This, let's yeah. uh, give it a try, but it never gets beyond the first four pages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you sure it's my round? So there we go. We've got um, six games there. Of those six games, now we've got to decide two that can be played. We want to play. All right. Two that can stay, yeah. and two that we can give away. Oh. Now you don't. It, it, we could keep all yours. Yeah, okay. to me, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so you don't have to defend your no. own. No, no. Of those, which do you think can stay? You don't have to play it as a place on the shelf. So it's got this is stay, not play. Yeah, this is stay. Let's stay, stay with stay. Execution. Yeah, stay of execution. Kind of middle, middle ground. Yeah, it's the middle ground. A bit boring, isn't it? The fact that yeah. we're going to keep it. The other two are a bit more uh, exciting. I would say I'm going to pick one from each of us. I think I would keep, I know you don't like the title, I'd keep Warrior, Rogue, Mage. It's On only very shelf. small. I won't take up that much shelf space anyway. Right. I'd keep it. Um, and the other one I would keep is Apocalypse World. I agree with you with uh, Apocalypse World, but I I think in order for it to uh, stay, I think I want to explore that a bit further. So of the, of the stay, what I think should have a stay of execution, is Wurderum. Wurderum, okay. All right. Wurderum. I, I, I like the um, cover art, for one thing. Yeah, it's a nice book. Yeah. 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 And it's nice to have a nice book on the bookshelf. Therefore, I think it deserves okay. to, to stay. Right. And uh, of mine, I think I want to go and uh, keep Band of Blades. Because, again, it is a beautiful book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do feel... That I do, I do like picking that one up actually, because mm. something about uh, the setting and some of the playbooks are very uh, inspiring as well. Yeah. So I think it deserves to stay on the shelf. So of those four, which ones are going to stay? And which one? I'm going to limit them down now. Yeah, but you, you see, you've mentioned one that I want to play. 
can't, oh, right. I can't jeopardise. Well, let's let's go let's go let's go to the next one then. Let's. Uh, what what would you want to play of those? Uh, the one I want to play is Worm 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 because I think of the three I've got, it's probably the best, most intriguing game, and I would want to play that. Because yeah. I do, it's the one of the three I've mentioned. It's the one I pick up the most and think, I can run this. And it's the one of the three of them that I have considered running at conventions. The other yeah. two, I've not re if I'm honest, I've not really considered running them. Like icons, I've got some of the books, but I've, apart from when I bought them, since then I've not really considered. I've never picked them up and thought, to the point where when I got them, um, I did mention to my friend and his son who plays role play at my charity work that I had a, a superhero role playing game and then a few months later they mentioned it and said oh did you say the superhero one and I said um yeah but I don't know maybe not yeah. I, I did you know yeah. whereas Worm is the one that I look at and think yeah I can see myself running it and I can see once she breaks through that idea yeah, of you're uh, not just a caveman, there's a bit more to it than that. You know? I can see uh, uh, playing it, but you'd have to have a saber-tooth tiger in it. What, what of the... <laughs> I think you could bend history, couldn't you? Maybe, <laughs> they say they were all extinct. How do these scientists know? <laughs> yeah. We're all fed up of experts, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what, what of mine would you keep? Is it, I this format is breaking apart. I mean, Go on to play. play. Yeah, play. Uh, Band of Blades. Band of Blades. Yeah, I play. would like to play that. That would be fun to play. I've tied with buying that actually. So, ah, right. Yeah, I would. I would play that. Yeah, how interesting, right? Yeah. So, okay. I I think we just put our nominations and put it to the listeners to determine, and we'll do. So some... your nomination for player and my nomination. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, put it right. up. Yeah, my nomination for player because is if, if one nomination. Yeah, my nomination for player is worm, and uh, the ones I've done. Uh, Bound Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So mine. From yours to play to play to play. Go on to play. I I would go for icons. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah, I want to see uh, icons. I, I quite like the idea of playing more uh, superhero yeah, games like yeah, you. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not heard of it before, mm. and um, I'd quite like to see what the villains are like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because right. I I quite like the setup of um, superhero yeah. uh, stories yeah. because you've got a definite villain. And yeah, they're quite clear cut, aren't they? Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. There's something about that knockabout, yeah. Yeah. punching things yeah. through walls and yeah. picking up cars and chucking them at people that I quite quite like the idea of. So I'd like to play that. And the games I've got, I don't want to run it, but I want somebody else to run Apocalypse World for me so I can see how it works in, uh, in a way that I'd feel comfortable playing. Right, okay. So what's that? What's you playing? I'd play it. I'd play it. What's... You've play got... Do you know the Snug Marry Void? It's a lot easier than that. <laughs> it needs more work, but I'm set. I would want to play Apocalypse World and Icons. Oh, right, okay. Play Apocalypse World and Icons, whereas I would like to play Worm and Band Blade. Yeah, okay. All right, so we're now on to... We've, have we done... Giving away. Giving, giving away. away. Giving, giving away. away. Yeah. See, I would give away icons. Would you? Icons is the one I'd give away. I'd give away with that one with a stupid name. I know you would. Because it's another shade of Cobalt Killing with a stupid name. <laughs> yeah. And I'd give away Iron Swan. Iron Swan, yeah. yeah. Give away Iron Swan. I think that's more or less giving away because that's my suggestion for giving away as well. 
That's doomed, isn't it? That one. That's, that's definitely. It's the only one we agree on. It's the one we give. That's been given away. Given away. Yeah. I'm not sure I deleted the PDFs, actually. <laughs> Might have done. Save a bit of space on my computer. And we might be wrong. It might be a brilliant No. Game. We're never right. We're not wrong. No, we're wrong. So we came, we came to a conclusion, sort of, on that. But I think we'll put it out It's a winning the, format. It's a winning it's format. A winning it needs form. more work, doesn't it? People we don't know. Play Worm and Band of Blades, everyone. There you go. You'll be happy because yeah. <laughs> they're good. If you've got Warrior Rogue Mage, then maybe play that. Yeah. Or maybe not. Or maybe not, yeah. Clear, clear decisions. I think. Clear decisions. Yeah. From experts in the role playing field. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want. I think that's what you've got. It's a winning format. It it'll it will work. Richard Osmond is bricking himself. <laughs> I'm Steve, host of All Anthrex's Gaming Vexes, a podcast documenting my ongoing mission to run or at least play all of the RPGs that I seem to be incapable of stopping myself buying. And you'll see me uh, frequently uh, fiddling with something in my hands. Each episode, I get together with a group of fellow gamers that have either played a game I've run or who've GM'd a game for me. We chat through what we've enjoyed about the game and some ways we could have improved the experience whilst making a series of terrible jokes along the way. Was it hot chat action? Sometimes we con game designers who really should know better to come along and talk to us about their games and maybe run an actual play segment to give us an idea of their vision for their game. I've told this story before, I won't bore anyone. Our topics range from old school favourites like RuneQuest through to some of those newfangled narrative games all the cool kids talk about. When you listen, I want you to feel as though you're sitting around our gaming table, taking part in our post-game chat and helping dispose of the last of the crisps and ale. I'll just wax my bowstring and think about the death of the tainted. Oh no, eight, nine, eight. So, if you like listening to people droning on excitedly about games in a range of regional British accents, All Anthrex's Gaming Vexes is the pod for you, and you'll find it on your podcasting app of choice. On occasion, you may even hear something really insightful, but I'm making no promises. Over to you, Dave. Point to Punxies and make it a Titan. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it high. You know, I've got Iron Sworn here, and I'm reluctant to let it go. Perhaps I didn't give it a good representation in my discussion with Blythe, as there's some elements of this game that I still think are really clever. Characters have to swear an iron vow, hence the name of the game, and at different levels they determine the difficulty of your quest. And there's some great little features around the resolution and building momentum. I don't think I'm ready to give it away quite yet. It's all about finding a connection with the game and sometimes it takes time. And I found that if I wait, a game can catch a moment and it fits the way that I'm thinking at that point in time. Maybe I've gathered enough XP or experience in playing RPGs to reach a level where I can click. As I've learned from returning to the hobby, it's worth holding on to these things because you never know when you might reconnect. It probably explains why I'm almost completely buried in the stuff. Well, it's this time of the year when we're getting ready for grog meat. As well as the meet-up in Manchester, 
There's an online version over the weekend of the 11th to the 13th of November 2022. And I'd love you to take part in it. There are still spaces available on the games. Check out the page on thegrognonfiles.com for more details. There's a real squeeze on everyone's finances. So I'm especially grateful to everyone who keeps this show on the road by throwing a tip in the tip jar over at Patreon. There's also been a squeeze on my capacity to deliver on some of the patron extras this year due to family matters. But they're due to return shortly in all their glory. Thank you for everyone who supports this podcast through tips, sharing it with friends and reviewing it where possible. I had a really bad day last week and reading some of the kind words about the podcast really gave me a lift. It really is what keeps us podcasters going, knowing that there's someone listening and it's reached them in a small way. When people join the Patreon club at the sofa of good level, I like to give them a virtual gift. And this time it's from Iron Swan, as it's blessed with loads of tables. Let's see what the oracles have to say about these latest members of the Grog Squad. Phil Mize, the oracle has a character goal. It says, 56, protect a secret. Phil Williams will cast the tea leaves, for he has 89, find redemption. Dave Ashley, the stones say, 59, spread the faith. Send someone an email and ask them to listen. Daniel Barton, the wind has shifted the mist. Oh, five, make an agreement. Empty Glen, the sticks are thrown in the air and land upon 50, rebel against power. Craig Pay, he returns, and the coins are flipped. They say, 23, harm a rival. The Grognard Files does not take any responsibility for any of these goals. They are performed at your own risk. Simon Pinnell looks at the nodes in the flame, and 67, protects the status quo. Down, down, deeper and down. Finally, Landon stares at his palm and 41. He needs to create an item. Well, I've created another item, another grog pod. I hope it was good and connected with you. Until next time, adios amigos. is made